بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد The great and noble virtuous companion Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu the one who accompanied the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam in al-Madina and he later on emigrated to uh, the one who accompanied the Messenger of Allah in Mecca and then later on emigrated to al-Madina the one about whom the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam he said man ahabba an yaqra al-Qur'an ghaddan kama unzila falyaqra'ahu ala qira'ati ibn ummi abd the one who wants to recite the Qur'an as it was revealed, as fresh as it was revealed, then let him recite it like Ibn Ummi Abd, يعني like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The Messenger of Allah, he said concerning him, رَضِيتُ لِأُمَّتِ مَا رَضِيَ لَهَا Ibn Ummi Abd. I am pleased, the Messenger is saying, I am pleased for my, for my Ummah. I am satisfied for my Ummah what Ibn Ummi Abd is satisfied for the Ummah. And the Messenger of Allah والسلام, he said about this great and virtuous companion, Tamastaku, Tamastaku bi'ahdi ibn ummi abd. Hold on, hold on to the ahd, hold on to the promise, hold on to the, uh, 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 the, the advice and the statements of ibn ummi abd, of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So it becomes clear to us, this man, he is not a nobody, but he is a great and virtuous man. And the one who spoke about his virtues is none other, none other than the Messenger of Allah So no doubt after the Messenger of Allah passes away, Ibn Mas'ud, he has a great sha'an, he has a great status. He has people that study from him, learn from him, take from him. He has followers. So on an occasion, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu he finds that he's being followed he has his followers following him around him so he says to them law ta'lamuna dhunubi he says to his followers his students those people that are following him and encircling themselves encircling around him circling around him law ta'lamuna dhunubi if you knew my sins, he says to his students, if you knew my sins, ma not even two of you would be walking close behind me. Not even two of you would be walking close behind me. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud says this. About whom? The one whom? The messenger said about him, hold on to the ahd, hold on to the advice, hold on to the words of Ibn Ummi Abd. Now this man, he has a following behind him. So he says to the, his followers, If you knew my sins, not even two of you would be walking behind me. And you would have ended up throwing dust and mud upon my head. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud He has people that look up to him. Why? Because he has some degree of Yani people know him. People know about him. And they, yani you, you shar ilayhi bil banan. 
fingers up يعني the finger is pointed at him يعني he is somebody who has some شهرة he is known and such is the case such is the attitude that a person should have everybody every single person to some degree will be in a position like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu the alim the scholar the scholar that people take fatwa from they take verdicts from take knowledge from he is known to them and people they look up to him the qari' the reciter of the Quran someone whose voice is beautiful and the people they take pleasure in hearing this person's voice he is known the da'iyah the one who calls to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala people embrace Islam at his hands people they embrace the sunnah at his hands he is known someone who is mas'ul over something he is responsible over something responsible in running a masjid responsible in running a school responsible in running a institution of al-ilm responsible in running some type of jam'iyah khayriyah some type of charitable organization an amir bil ma'ruf someone who instructs with good he commands with good and forbids the evil becomes known someone who's generous he's known for his generosity known for his hospitality he becomes known even the one at the very least he doesn't consider himself to be to fit into any of these categories anyone that is sitting here most likely most of us if not everybody that is here has some type of people look up to him to some degree you're the only person for example practicing in your household in your family amongst your relatives perhaps just yesterday you started to grow your beard but you know that everybody now they think of you as the as the Molvi sahab in the house the Molana sahab in the house the sheikh sahab in the house why because nobody else has any type of tadayun with them in your household in your amongst your relatives so now you are considered, even though you know yourself, you just about might know, might know how to recite Surah Al-Fatiha. But everybody else, your parents perhaps, your brothers and sisters, your, your cousins, your aunties, your uncles, they're looking up to you. So this type of person, he is to follow the example of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He says, لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ ذُنُوبِ If you knew all my family members, if you knew... Oh, my community, my neighbors, my students, my so on and so forth. If you knew my sins, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud is saying to them, if you knew my sins, none of you would be encircling me. None of you, none of you would be around me. Yes, I'm imparting this knowledge. Why? Because I'm a companion of the Messenger of Allah. The Messenger of Allah conveyed knowledge to me. I'm not going to hide this knowledge. I will convey this knowledge. I want to give the zakah of this knowledge. I want to give the poor to you of this knowledge. I'm not going to... Cons- I will give it to you. The Messenger of Allah gave this. It's an amana. It's a trust that's on my head. But if you knew my sins, if you knew my evil, if you knew my shortcomings, then none of you would be sitting around me and you would be throwing dust and mud upon my heads. The companion, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, is saying, why? Why is he saying this? Because ilm, knowledge, the more that a person increases in knowledge, the more that a person increases in khashya. What's khashya? What is khashya? They translate it as fear. What's the most specific definition of khashya? 
Fear upon knowledge. Ahsant, barakallah Fear upon knowledge. Yeah, fear of Allah, but it's not mujarrad khawf. It's not mere fear that a person has. You hear a certain noise, you get scared, for example. But it's, that's, that is fear that is based upon, not upon knowledge, but upon yani, delusion or waham and what have you. However, khashya, that is something that is more specific. Khashya is something that is the fear that you have of your Rabb Jalla wa'az based upon your knowledge of him and your knowledge of what he loves and your knowledge of what he hates. So the more that a person increases in knowledge and the more that a person increases in khashya, then the more he realizes how great the sins are that he commits, the more he realizes the magnitude of evils and the magnitude of mistakes that are on his back. For that reason we find, who is the best of this whole ummah, or rather, who is the best human being ever to exist after the prophets and the messengers? Who is the best human being to exist after the prophets and the messengers? Huh? Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Yet we find the messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam advising him, teaching him to say at the end of every salah, Allahumma inni zalamtu nafsi zulman kathira faghfilli مَغْفِرَةً مِنْ عِنْدِكَ مَغْفِرَةً مِنْ عِنْدِكَ وَرْحَمْنِي إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Allah's Messenger instructs the best of companions, the most virtuous of companions. He says to him, to say at the end of his salah, O oh Allah, I, يعني I, Abu Bakr, I have wronged myself a great deal of wrong. Therefore forgive me with forgiveness from yourself. And have mercy upon me. Indeed, you are the one who forgives. You are the most merciful. Why is it the case that he instructs Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the one that has, has already been promised paradise, and the one that is the best of the ummah, if his iman is placed on a scale, and the iman of all of us and the rest of the ummah is placed on another, on another scale, Abu Bakr's iman will outweigh the iman of the rest of the ummah. Why does the Messenger of Allah say, tell Abu Bakr, to do this because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his generosity to us is so great and what he has given us is so great if you were to count the blessings of Allah the favors of Allah you'd be unable to count them if we were to count the blessings of Allah we won't be able to count them why because they're so great and so many therefore you are unable there are so many that you are unable to repay Allah, to pay enough gratitude back to Allah. You're unable to fulfill that right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, you're in a hala of taqseer. You're in a condition iron. All of you, every single human being is in a state of deficiency before Allah in repaying his right back to him. And that is a sin. That is a sin, not being able to repay Allah back to as to the, the right that he deserves. That is a sin. And thus on that basis, Abu Bakr is commanded to seek forgiveness. Abu Bakr is commanded to say, Oh Allah, I wronged myself greatly. Why? Because I'm unable to pay you back. 
Therefore forgive me and grant mercy upon me. So upon that, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala, based upon that, he makes ihtiqar of himself. Like everybody else should. He makes ihtiqar, he holds himself in contempt. And he looks down upon himself. And he belittles himself. He thinks, thinks of himself as little, as, as nothing. Even though he is the one that the messenger said, stick to his advice, hold on to his advice. Stick to his words, hold on to his words. He looks down upon himself and he thinks little of himself. And he belittles himself in front, in front of everybody else. Why? Because that is, that is what ikhlas revolves upon. He knows Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu that his deeds will only be accepted by Allah if it is based upon al-ikhlas. And he hates to be looked up by everybody else. He knows that his deeds will only be accepted if they are characterized with ikhlas. And he knows an act of worship, when it becomes polluted, when it becomes polluted and soiled with arriya, when it becomes soiled with sum'a, when it becomes polluted and soiled with wanting to be seen, and wanting to be heard with showing off, then he knows that that action is rendered null and void. Worship ibadah, regardless of what type of act of worship it is, sujood, rukur, reciting the Quran, enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, learning, teaching, all of these acts of worship, they have a sweetness to them. They have halawa, they have a sweetness to them. But as soon as that act of worship, riyah comes into it, ikhlas is stripped away from it. Sincerity to Allah from that act of worship is stripped away, the halawa, it disappears. The sweetness, it disappears. The sweetness and the relishment from that act of worship, it is gone. You've deprived yourself from it. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he makes ihtiqar, he looks down upon himself, he holds himself he undervalues himself. Why? Because he knows his worship. If it is the case that it becomes soiled with wanting to be seen and heard, that, that, that act of worship, it will be rendered null and void. The Messenger of Allah, والسلام, he tells us that the hellfire, the first one for whom the hellfire will be set ablaze is whom? The one who learned the book of Allah. He studied the book of Allah. And he learned the book of Allah. And he recited the book of Allah. On the day of judgment, he is brought to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He and two others. The one who was right, the one who was generous. And he gave a lot in charity. Allah gave him wealth and he, cha- and he gave in charity. And the one, think about this one. The one who fought. He fought on the battlefield in a conventional war. Not the warfare that the ignorant barbarians and the savages of ISIS and Al-Qaeda and the, and the terrorists engage in. A conventional war. A war between a conventional government and another conventional government. Two armies fighting against each other. So the one that's in that army fighting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gets killed. So on the day of judgment, he is brought and he's made to stand in front of Allah jalla wa az. Allah then... Mentions to him the blessings that he's conferred upon this human being, upon this so-called martyr. And then he asks him, and the slave he acknowledges these blessings that Allah blessed him with. And then Allah asks him, what did you do then? What did you do then to repay me? What did you do with these blessings? 
So the person, he says, I fought in your path up until I was killed for your, for your sake. Allah says, no, you're a liar, kathabt. You've lied. Allah will say to him, you've lied. Rather you fought, rather you fought so that it can be said, he is a brave one. You fought and you were killed so that it is said about you, you're a brave one. Think about that. Out of all those three examples, think about this one. The person he fights, knowing that he's, he's in the arena of death, and that death can occur to him any minute, it's in front of his face, a great probability that he's going to die. And he's killed. He knows that he's going to die. Imagine the sword coming to his body, leaving his body from the, from the other side. He knows he's going to die now. But still, his intention is what? To be seen, to be heard, so that people will say that he is a shaheed. People will say he is a martyr. People will say he was brave. People will say he's courageous. If you think about this, the hal of this person, the benefit that he's now, the so-called benefit that he's going to get from his intention, his, his polluted intention, his filthy intention, the benefit that he's going to get from it, it's not even going to occur while he's alive. The benefit of the person who gives in charity so that people say he's generous, he gets it while he's alive. He hears people saying, you're a charitable person. He hears people saying, you're a knowledgeable person. He hears people saying, you are a beautiful reciter of the book of Allah. He hears people saying this. But the person who is killed, the benefit that he wanted to, to derive from it, he doesn't get that benefit while he's alive. He's dead. He's, he could be being punished in his grave. After he dies, people might say, what a brave person he is. But look at the hal of this person. That there are people who exist and Allah has told us that people exist that will be willing to die, willing to be killed, leave this life, while Riyadh was so strong in them, wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard, was so strong in them, that it aroused within them the desire to be seen and to be heard, even if it's the case that they die upon that. If it's the case that a person, if it's the case that a person is willing to die, he's in the battlefield, he's in the domain of death, and he's hope and he's willing to die in that state, then it, how about everybody else? How about everybody else that's in a state less than that? They're not in the domain of death. He gives charity, he learns, he teaches, he enjoins good, he forbids evil, and so on and so forth. But he's not in the domain of death. The khatar, the danger upon us is azim. The danger of meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala having performed deeds, thinking as though Allah is going to reward us for those deeds, but subconsciously, in reality, the niyyah that was behind it was impure, it was fasid. Why? Because he wanted the praise from everybody else. Even, even though praise, it has no value. What is the value of praise if you think about it? Someone says something good about you. You are, yani kareem, you're generous. You are salih, you are righteous. You are alim, you are knowledgeable. You are a beautiful reciter. You are this, you are that, you are this, you are that. All of those praises, they end up where? Nowhere, nothing. There's no value to them. The only value that those praises have is the value that you attach to them. And in the Sharia, the only value that praise has is for the mu'amalat that we have in this world. You come and you say, I want to know about so-and-so. I say, khalas, that person, 
He's trustworthy. You can do business with him. I praise him. I say, he's trustworthy. You can do business with him. So and so, he's of good character. You can marry your daughter to him. So and so, his aqidah is sound. You can take knowledge from him. But these praises that you make, they are limited to the ahkam of this world, the rulings of this world. As for the reality of that person, then that is in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. None of it has any significance in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, based upon the advice of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the one that the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu commanded us to take advice from, to take advice from and to stick to his advice and to stick to his statements, we should make ihtiqar of ourselves. We should look down upon ourselves. And we should not allow others to praise us. Not allow others to, to praise us and to, and to mention good about us when we know our own selves. When we know the reality of our own selves. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to act upon what we hear and see and say. إنه سميع مجيب وصلى الله على نبينا محمد والحمد لله رب العالمين